Hello, this is the house on Valencia Street. We talk about psychics, uh, paranormal activity, intuition, remote viewing, premonitions, all that stuff. Ghosts, yeah, some of that too. Mm -hmm. Other topics might include surviving a domestic violence, developing self-dignity enough to get up and leave, um, knowing that there's a lot of permission structures in place and everybody's going to be just fine with you getting beaten to the hospital again sometimes. I'm not, so I'm talking about it. And my mom and Darlene had to walk through that, move out of the state from Howard. He was supervisor at the post office. And we were forced to live in this old house that was very haunted for about mm, several years. A child into my teens, and a lot of weird shit happened there. And there's at least three out of us, four sisters that saw ghosts there. Some of their 60s, me and my 50s, were still talking about this house. We don't talk to each other. Oh, my Lord, it's it's a pain in the ass sometimes, but there it is. Yeah, we discuss theology, uh, Christianity, uh, atheism, agnosticism, Buddhism, willful education, uh, kink, BDSM, asexuality, autonomy, <laughs> meditation, prayer. Okay, there's some shit. Some of these topics can be triggering. They may or may not be for you. If you're not offended by these topics, great. If you are offended or it doesn't work for you, I'm assuming that you're going to go ahead and move on. And I understand it doesn't work for you. You're welcome to move on. Yeah? Okay. Let's see. <laughs> I'm wandering around. Uh, there's a website, anchor.fm forward slash MoMA, M-O-H-M-A-H. You can download the pod. You can listen to some notes or listen to some podcasts, read some notes, that type of shit. Oh, well, it's good stuff. And there's great content sometimes I'll just touch on, but then I'll give you a couple links to like, here's the deep dive, baby. Yeah. At the website, uh, anchor.fm forward slash MoMA. Uh, you're welcome to donate. I like that. I like supporting the show. That's helpful for me. If mental health stuff is kicking up for you, I've got a couple 1-800 numbers in my notes. Um, I recommend you go to a licensed board certified therapist. That is not me, although uh, it's good to go to one. I'd say one out of four or one out of five of my therapists have been really destructive. The majority of them are average and a couple of them are fantastic. I've had 10 years of therapy total. I'm due for therapy now. Uh, it's a work in progress for many reasons. So sometimes you need someone to talk to you in the middle of the night and sometimes a 1-800 number will help. So you got some options there. I think that's a good start. Hey, bubs, what's shaking? Oh my Lord. Hey, okay. <sighs> I've been trying to get in the right mode to do this recording. I wanted to be perfect because it's about a topic I really value and I wanted to be on key and ready to go, but I'm, I'm kind of just meandering. I got triggered by uh, a neighbor pushing boundaries and uh, I had to be assertive and uh, I'm still kind of, it's been a couple days. I'm still triggered. I'm still processing it. I'm grateful for the process and the contrast and I look forward to adjusting and adapting. In between all that, I've been processing something that really was mind-blowing for me this week. Uh, so the first update we've got here, we'll get this started mechanically while I'm talking to you. Update, update, breaking news, breaking news. Breaking news. I was listening to, uh, I was going through my day-to-days and I stumbled upon this interview. I'm going to share about a one to two minute interview. This is coming from Jane Seymour. She's talking about Somewhere in Time. She's at the Turner Classic Movies Film Festival in April 2022. This happened within the last year. 
year, year and a half. So this is brand new fucking information from a 70 year old actress who's kept a secret for a very long time about the movie Somewhere in Time. The movie Somewhere in Time, which I will go on and talk about a lot here. Somewhere in Time talks about time travel. It talks about the afterlife, spiritual connections, and uh, reincarnation. And it's a very impressive. It's been a huge movie to my development. I want you to hear this from Jane Seymour's mouth. 70-year-old woman. This was made in 1979, this movie, and we're now in 2023. So this is breaking news here. Okay. And, um, but we didn't let anyone know. So a few of the people who worked on the show kind of sussed it out, uh, but uh, we were as subtle as we could be about it. And, um, and then, um, you know, I don't want to be a, a spoiler for anybody. Is there anyone here who hasn't seen it yet? Oh, there's uh, quite a few. Oh, wow. Okay. That yeah. is pretty amazing because most people see it about a thousand times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a movie you see once. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so anyway, we, we were madly in love and life was wonderful. We were both single. It was a fantastic, amazing, amazing experience. We loved this movie. We loved everything about it. We, the crew, everyone were great friends. It was wonderful. And then one day I came into work and one of the biggest scenes in the movie, which I won't give away for the people that don't know, a uh, very intense movie in which, at the moment, in which I had to ask him um, a lot of questions about his life and uh, basically point out he's wearing the wrong clothes, things like that. Um, anyway, just before that, Chris had an earlier call, and I came out, came in about half an hour later, and they said, Chris needs to talk to you about something. I thought, that's really odd. We've had a long time to talk about things, so what could it be? And it was that he was about to have a baby, and that his ex-girlfriend hadn't told him, and she just announced it to the world. So I then had to put my big girl pants on. Um, and when I watched that scene, uh, I can literally see the, the tears coming halfway up my eyeballs. And I just kept saying, you can't cry, you can't cry, you can't cry, you're happy. Elise is really, really happy right now. So anyway, the, the good part of the story is wow. that Chris went on to have these two beautiful children. And um, uh, we met one another on many occasions. We remained really, really close friends, literally till the day he died. And uh, I have to believe that I will one day see him somewhere in time. What that breaking news was, is uh, <laughs> Jane Seymour and Christopher Reeves were madly in love and they were both single. So why is this relevant? The only person alive that knew that was Jane Seymour and she's in her seventies now. And, um, this forced me into this major deep dive this weekend because uh, um, I love the movie, but you know, a lot of times you see movies like that and you go, well, they're acting. It's a beautiful piece of work. This just happened in the last year. Okay. And we're talking 45, this made it 45, 50 years ago. Can you fucking believe that? He leaves that she's talking about is, is really painful to watch. And it's still, I've been reviewing the movie this week since I've heard this quote going, holy cannoli. Why is this relevant? Why is it so big, such a big deal to me? Um, the 110 camera episode, which is episode 19 of this podcast, uh, part one and part two, I take a deep dive into this movie and it was 1980 and 1990, 1980, 1981, 1979, right around, I think it was released in 1980. It became famous on cable, right? There's so many things about this movie that are so important. John Barry, 
who has scored over 100 movies, was personal friends with Jane Seymour. Jane Seymour was friends with John Barry's wife. They didn't have a budget. Okay, they didn't have a budget and they didn't have the money to pay John Barry what he was worth for this movie. Jane Seymour asked John Barry to, to compose this movie. Then guess what happens? He becomes an elderly man, right? Turns out when it comes to the royalties, he negotiated a deal on the soundtrack that he wouldn't get paid up front, that he'd get residuals after sales. And this ended up being one of the best selling soundtracks of all time somewhere in time because of the music, right? Another uh, choice that they made stylistically was that John Barry chose Rachmaninoff, theme on, uh, theme on the Pagini, I apologize. Is it theme on C? Mm. Uh, it's the Rachmaninoff piece, theme on the something of Pagini, I apologize. There's all these da this data going through my head right now. John Barry was responsible for that choice. He wanted to kind of milk that song and, and that song is very relevant. They also changed the script of the movie to include we're talking about Rachmaninoff. Rachmaninoff was popular then, but they put it into the story that Richard Collier knew a Rachmaninoff piece that was two or three years after they were talking because of time travel, right? So uh, he's singing, da 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 dum dum da 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 I'm, you know, Rachmaninoff, hello. And she's like, I don't recognize that song. What was that song? It's Rachmaninoff. And she goes, I don't know that piece. I go to him, I've gone to the concerts and I don't know that piece. Then she later finds out that he later, you know, five, 10 years later, then he produced the, the piece. And then she's like, oh, blows her mind. Anyway, John Barry lived comfortably in retirement because he did a charitable thing for a friend on Somewhere in Time. And one of his most successful, if not the most successful uh, soundtracks he ever produced was Somewhere in Time, something he did as a kindness for Jane Seymour, which I think is beautiful. There's so many beautiful stories to this. Another thing to learn about this is the director of the film, whose name escapes me right now because I've been focusing on some other things, he based, I didn't understand it at the time because I was 10 and 11 and 12 in this haunted house at the haunted house on Valencia Street. I was so compelled by this movie because it was unlike anything I had seen, right? The director specifically chose um, Mackinac. He chose a couple locations, but I didn't understand the direction and the design he was working with. It turns out, after you listen to a couple of the documentaries, he set up structured shots that look exactly like, and he designed it on uh, Surratt, uh, Surratt, uh, the pointillist. Um, let's see if I can get the piece of work that he did. Here it is. Okay. He specifically designed shots in this movie in the 1980s based off of Surratt, who necessarily wasn't that, that famous then. Specifically, the piece to think of is a Sunday afternoon on the island of La Grande, uh, La Grande Jatte, I believe is what it is. Uh, it's George, George Surratt. Yeah. Surratt. Surratt. Okay. I've listened to some deep dives on this particular painting because there's conjecture that it is the second homes or the mistresses on the shore by the, uh, there's two sides of the river. This is actually a companion piece. And uh, this is the polite side with the, or the side with the mistresses that aren't necessarily in the public, but they're more refined. And then the other side of the river, which is the companion piece is a bunch of day laborers who are like bathing in the, in the river because they don't have running water. So it's an interesting piece, although pointillism and neo-impressionism, I believe is what he was working with. Um, he wanted to look at it a different way. Yeah. There was something different about that movie that I could tell even as a child. And I couldn't take my eyes off it. Jane Seymour also acknowledged that, uh, 
when you watch this movie, don't ju just watch it once. You're compelled. You're, um, you become obsessed, right? Okay. So the next thing I want to see if I can point out is the last thing I'll leave you with here. I want to share this with you. This is Christopher Reeves. This is after he has been paralyzed after his spine was broke, uh, horseback riding. He was wearing a helmet when he, uh, became paralyzed. He landed perpendicular to the ground at about 52 years old and it blew out two of his neck vertebrae and it barely left his spine. The only reason his head was still attached to his head, his body was muscles and skin and, and bone. the bone, the spine was severed. The, the bones around it were all gone. It was just the muscles on his head. And he spent, well, lots of, lots of pain, lots of operations, lots of work. Yeah. So anyway, this is Christopher Reeves, after he's been paralyzed, I believe it's about 2000, it's about two or three years before he passes away. This is Jane Seymour. This is Christopher Reeves, circa, this is where they filmed Somewhere in Time. Beautiful location, no cars. You can only do horses or pedestrian on Mackinac Island, no cars. So when they were filming this, they had to use horses. <laughs> Buggies and horses, motherfucker. Okay, it was beautiful. It's, it's it's artwork. This movie is artwork. Okay, here we go. This is Christopher Reeves talking about his experience on Somewhere in Time. They were blocked from talking about it because there was a strike right around then that had to do with screenwriters or actors. This thwarted the success of the movie, which was very popular in several foreign countries. And as I said, the soundtrack became one of the most the best-selling soundtracks of all time. And John Barry taking no money up front, but taking residuals afterwards kept him set for the rest of his life. And, and he still, to the day he died, or at least John Barry and Jane Seymour were friends nearly, she talked a lot about how they thanked her over and over again for his, their retirement. That ironically helping out a friend ended up saving their ass. See, that's the kind of shit I like. I like hearing stories like that. This is Christopher Reeves. I think it's about 2002, 2003. It's on Mackinac Island. They'd have returns to Mackinac Island. And this movie was so important to these people. Jane Seymour and Christopher Reeves talked repeatedly about how important this movie was. Now, this is right from Christopher Reeves. He's paralyzed. Jane Seymour is holding the microphone right next to his mouth. Okay, here we go. I'm so glad that, uh, that I was able to come in 1994 and... Uh to experience what the Summer in Time weekend is all about. You know, I don't often spend a lot of time looking back because that's counterproductive, but I do love looking back and remembering Summer in Time. And actually, no, it's not really looking back because it's still very much a part of the present and uh, that really is an honor that this movie has stayed in present time. Uh, and it's something that, that will go forward. Uh, so we don't have to get all nostalgic about it because it lives and carries on. And that really, really helps me a lot. Thank you. Um, I have also amazing memories of summer in time and there isn't a day that goes by that I'm not reminded by someone of uh, how important this movie is to them and I feel really proud to have been a part of it. That was Jane Seymour uh, following up with Christopher Reeves. There's all kinds of movie groups like MST3K. There's all kinds of movie, cinema, Cannes Film Festival. I mean, come on. People like movies, don't they?
they're a reflection of what they want their life to be, or they take them out of their own miserable lives, maybe if their lives are miserable, and give them something to focus on. Learn, grow, turn off, all kinds of shit, right? The two stars of that movie, 20, 30, 40 years later, are still talking about it. Jane Seymour talked about being his friend till the day he died and that he loved him. They were madly in love in that movie. Deeply in love in that movie. And that is really exciting to me. So today we've heard from Jane Seymour telling the truth after 40, 50 years of time. We've heard from Christopher Reeves, paralyzed now, but still talking about how much this movie means to him. They were on Mackinac Island and, you know, he has to have two caregivers, 24 hours, all this machinery just to get him there. And he was there. It meant that much to him. Yeah. And you don't got cars on that island. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they really had to. I just physicists talking about time travel of meditation and prayer and focusing with your mind, giving you the aspect to travel with your spirit to another location or time. I wasn't learning that in Walla Walla. <laughs> There's the end sequence in the movie, too, where. He comes back and he can't believe he was there and he's trapped and he can't go back and he can't eat. He can't sleep. He can't function. He just crawls back into his bed and he just fucking dies. He just lays there for a week or two and he doesn't die. He doesn't eat, doesn't, doesn't do anything. He just dies. But the last scene is him. <laughs> they show him coming up and floating over his body like a spirit and a soul. And I'm living in a haunted house at the time as a kid for the first time watching this. And then they show his spirit floating out of the house and going down a long tunnel with a lot of a lot of clouds and openness. And then there's this little woman way at the end of this long perspective at the horizon. And then he just floats to her. Like when I meditate and pray, like when I would astral travel or remote view. I mean, they flow right to each other. And they're on stage saying that when they die, they want to know each other. I mean, Christopher's died, and, and, and here's Jane Seymour saying, I, I want to see him when I go over. You know, I mean, think about that. <laughs> Thank you. All right, let's round this out a bit here. Oh, that was Jane, that was Christopher, and that was truth. And I'm real happy. I'm really, really happy. I've been trying to get in the right mood to record this. It's just I, I've been over-focusing on that, also being triggered by my inappropriate neighbor some, and little me knew. I knew I was seeing something I'd never seen before, talking about traveling through time, meditation, prayer, afterlife, floating above your body, dying, going up to heaven, meeting those you love. It's all right there. <laughs> I'm real happy about that. I'm very, very happy about that. I'm going to share with you a uh, update from the other side that was one of those spooky what-the-fuck moments. Yeah? Okay. do 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 so fresh out of meditation, spooky what the fuck moment, doot, 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 spooky what the fuck moment, doot, 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 doot. okay. There's a book I want to offer to a friend of mine on loan that I think might be quite healing to them. And I have a couple copies of this book, or I had one copy, there were a couple copies, but I was thinking I might have a second hard copy of this because the original copy belonged to my family and um, it means a lot to me. So I was digging around and I was praying and meditating. I said, I want to find this book, God. Help me find this book. It'll show me XYZ coordinates sometimes. And sometimes I can't see it, but sometimes they'll say it's in this box, third one down over here. And I'll go, okay. And then I go over there and I'm like, okay. It works. Uh, I give it 70, 80% of the time. It works pretty good. I was praying today and I was saying, hey, 
I want to loan this to my buddy, maybe, but I'm thinking maybe if I got a second copy of that, would you show me where it's at? Show me where that book is, would you? So I closed my eyes and it showed me the location, which was uh, under a box over in this part. And I had to go to a different room. Okay. So I go over there and I'm just do, 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 let's see what happens. Opening some boxes. And I couldn't find the one I was looking for, but I was drawn to this book here. <laughs> oh, a couple boxes down. I find a holy Bible. How about that? In the front of it is Darlene with her maiden name in Colfax, Washington. And then you flip the page. On the second page, it's my name. And it's Green Park School in Walla Walla. See, I was in the house on Valencia Street when I was writing my name in this book. <laughs> it's a very old Bible. And Mom had this when she lived in Colfax, Washington. I was looking through the pages because I was looking for evidence that she read it. You know, if you read my books, especially if I'm studying them, there's going to be pen and pencil and dog ear and post-it note. And it's going to look like it's been put through a Rolodex or something like that. But I, I was like trying to figure out if this is just a symbol or if she actually used this book. And then I paused and I went, lo and behold, there were tags, right? And I was looking through the tags of quotes. There were three of them. But I was drawn to this quote right here. It's 1 Corinthians the first book of Corinthians. And of course, I need to turn the light on here. First book of Corinthians. What did my mama write here? Uh, chapter 15, 54 to 55. Chapter 15, 54 to 55. Here it was. Here's 55. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? I was drawn to this quote today while meditating. I had to dig through a couple boxes to get to it. Number one, like having my mama's Bible. I'm going to be using that a little more. I misquoted Alexander Pope, or I quoted Alexander Pope, thinking that he'd authored that line. And uh, I talk about Julian Sands using that in the movie Siesta. It turns out it's in the Bible. And it turns out Alexander Pope was putting Bible quotes in his poetry and maybe taking credit for him himself. Now, you could say it was ironic or what have you, but I just want to offer a doot 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 meditation correction corner because uh, apparently Alexander Pope likes to lift a couple lines from the Bible when he's writing his little soliloquies in uh, poetry. Yeah, okay. Nothing's original, is it? Right? Okay. Uh, thank you for your time. Thanks for coming to the house on Valencia Street where we get to discover that it was real and I was seeing something I knew was different. And Jane Seymour... And Christopher Reeves are waiting to see each other. Me too. You're never alone here at the house. Just understand sometimes it's whether you like it or not. Mm.